Matt was fired. Welcome to A Cast With No Name. I am your host, Jay. Matt was fired. I'm kidding. He is on vacation. This is episode... Jesus. I've been drinking today. Uh, This is episode 15 and a half, Saturday, July 30th, 2022. However, even though Matt is gone, today we have a special guest who goes by the name of Puff. This episode, we will be discussing aging and the changing taste in movies. But first, don't forget to visit our website, acastwithnoname.com, comment on our episodes, or write to our email, contact.acastwithnoname at gmail.com, to where you can comment on episodes, give us any kind of critiques, or if you just want to let us know of a movie you want us to review. Uh, But yeah, let's get into it. This will... Puff is thinking it's going to be a short episode, but it'll probably be a three and a half hour bender. So uh, let's just get down to it. Uh, Puff, introduce yourself. Um, My name is Chris Windsor. Um, I go by Puff. That's something from our college days. Um, We uh, were in the same fraternity together. Uh, We've uh, enjoyed a lot of awkward experiences in movies together, like watching Spanglish uh, in the movie theater, did not realizing that it was a romantic comedy and just singing just the two of us. Um, well, yeah, we've been been friends for going on like twenty years, pretty much at this point. Jesus world, God. has it? Yeah, yeah, it has it's been, been about, about twenty years. 20 years. <laughs> yeah, that, that's about right. So yeah, we uh, yeah we as you said, we met in college. Um, we were both the same major at the same college, uh, it's like communications video production. Um, and so we had several classes together and all that good stuff. But yeah, we were right in the heyday as far as get going balls deep in movies, uh, around the same time and we're about the same age. So it was a, it was a special moment for us, a very, very critical moment that, uh, helped us grow together. Growth, a segue. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you are visiting. Uh, Matt, it just happened to be a coincidence. Matt's on vacation. You're visiting, and is a po- and instead of just having one bland week without an episode, I threw up the option of let's do a quick podcast, so that way we can get something out there, so that people can listen to our tens of listeners. And uh, you came up with the topic of changing taste of movies yeah it was something that i like just actually listening to your podcast i was thinking about it because like you were talking about your top five and like really when i thought about my top five like it's it has fluctuated so much over the years um like thinking back to in my high school time frame what i would have considered back then as my my favorite movie of all time uh, college, what I would have considered as my favorite movie of all time, even through this day. And like what I'm considering as my like recent favorites, I feel like are, some of, some of these are going to be like kind of a flash in the pan. So, yeah. And, and Matt and I've touched on this a little bit as far as, yeah, when we were younger, we liked certain movies, but I mean, when we were in college, everyone had the same favorite movie. It was usually something by Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. or it was, what was it? Boondock Saints. Yep. <laughs> By Troy Duffy. Um we should we should take a time machine back. Take you take you back in time here because it's it was a different 
the internet was not as big as it is now. So the, I feel like obviously streaming wasn't a thing back then. So there was this kind of, you know, kind of a little bit of a bro culture, I guess, with that, that movie in particular, where we were all, there was a lot of people all across the country, maybe even the world that were sharing this movie called Boondock Saints. Um, and I had one DVD copy of it that I showed to probably a hundred people <laughs> over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it, honestly, it's probably the most watched movie for me just because of that fact. Um, but yeah, times have changed a lot since then. So I had my taste in that movie. Like if I watch it now, there's definitely some cringy moments in it. Um, when was the last time you watched that movie? Oh gosh. Um, it's probably been, I want to say at least 10 years yeah, <laughs> since I, I last watched it. I would say it's probably, yeah, it's probably been about the same. Uh, when I met Christy, I don't know if we watched again. I mean, there were some movies that whenever I dated somebody, I would have prerequisites. It, it was kind of like a course learning as far as, okay, if you're going to date me, you're going to have to watch these movies because I, for some reason I equated that with who I was as a person or it was just trying to get them on the same uh, playing field. But yeah, I, I would say it's, been at least 10 years since I last saw that movie but from what I remember it's not a bad movie by any means as far especially coming from a first time writer director to where I believe that was the first I mean he may have directed I think he had a, a band called The Brood um, he may have done a music video or whatever but he that was his first feature length film that he directed and as far as the first feature length film having Sean Pla- Patrick Flannery and Willem Dafoe and uh, Greasy Hair, um, Norman Reedus in it, be Greasy. able to direct it competently and then at least to his vision and have it come out good, I think is a huge, I mean, it was pretty successful there there are certainly a lot of memorable one-liners from the movie which definitely helped um uh, as far as growth like even to the the time that the sequel came out uh, for that movie i had grown as an individual and as someone who was interested in the industry and i did not like the sequel nearly as much as i like the original Mm -hmm. Um, and i saw that with friends some of my friends disagreed at the time but i mean that's just our taste our taste had changed i'd grown away from it um but yeah, I mean, yeah, moments in that movie, uh, <laughs> uh, some of which are probably considered faux pas at this point, um, with the sequence at the beginning of the movie where they're arguing with the, um, the rule of thumb. Yeah, exactly. No, well, it should have been the rule of wrist. There is no faux pas <laughs> with the beginning of that movie that, that holds true to today's, uh, standards. And I think any, uh, male or female could agree that that is just right in line with today's <laughs> culture. Um, so, all right, Boondock Saints aside, let's flash back to when we were in college, which was, yeah, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, what were your favorite movies? Um, so at, at, at that time, definitely the one that I would claim was my favorite movie uh, would have been Pulp Fiction, 100%. Um, still to this day, I would... I would absolutely go see any Quentin Tarantino movie, but as far as like those movies are concerned, I haven't really watched them as much recently either. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, um, definitely from movies that I'd grown up with, uh, Back to the Future, Indiana Jones. Um, 
the Star Wars movies 100%. I'd probably still claim as one of my favorite movies, even though they've been tainted a little bit over the years. All of them or just a... Four, four through six. Okay. Um, the original trilogy that I grew up with. Um, Jurassic Park. Um, I can't remember the original date that those movies came out, but the Lord of the Rings trilogy would definitely be a favorite now. Lord of the Rings, I believe, was early 2000s. I think 2001 is when the first one came out. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And then definitely more recently, um, any Edgar Wright movie mm-hmm. uh, would still be like, he's probably my current favorite director just in general. Um, I feel like his, his tone, sense of humor, things of that nature just hit, hit home with me now. Yeah. The, I mean, back in college, I would probably have to say a similar thing just because we were in the same, we were in film classes with the same generation of people that grew up watching the same amount of movie or same type of movies. And every once in a while, there would be somebody in our class that would see something kind of out of the norm, like irreversible or um, something that was more foreign or just not as recognizable as Boondock Saints or Quentin Tarantino movies. I think there was a huge slew of people in our class that wanted to make movies because of Quentin Tarantino and what he'd done with the independent uh, film festival scene. Um, And I know one person that you mentioned in a previous episode was definitely influential on that as well, Robert Rodriguez. But I feel like he was also influenced by Quentin Tarantino as well. So so back in college, I mean, yeah, the typical movies, Pulp Fiction, Boondock Saints, how has your list changed or how has your taste changed as you got older? I guess the, the cool factor doesn't, isn't as important to me anymore. Um, as far as taste, I, I definitely, I, I like, I'm, I'm kind of weird on that. I really like dark. I really like sci-fi. Um, so pretty much any movie that, that hits those items, I will probably see. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the other aspect of it, like Edgar Wright obviously is, is more, is more on the humorous side. So he, he hits that, um, like that comedy aspect of it. Um, definitely Marvel movies mix that in. Um, obviously there's some hit and miss quite a bit with that. Um, but yeah, that's my, I feel like my taste definitely has gone more on the, the dark and sci-fi spectrum at this point. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess, So if you're looking for example, like recent favorites um, for sci-fi Blade Runner 2049, uh, Mad Max. Um, so like dystopian sci-fi and those mm-hmm. for those two, the um, uh, Annihilation's another good one, stark sci-fi. Um, so that those that's kind of been my wheelhouse. I know a lot of those movies you guys have talked about previously but have you thought about why your taste has gone more darker i mean that's more of like a spur of the moment question but i mean have you thought about that at all like like why do i like these darker movies or i don't i guess i think a part of it is it's so different from everyday life i think that's 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 why um it's easier to separate yourself like if it's too close to reality you can nitpick i feel like a little bit more Mm -hmm. um than you can in in those moments um in those dark sci-fi movies because it's so separated from actual reality 
like they can get away with a lot more. It's easier for me. So you can suspend, suspend your my disbelief. There yep. we go. Um, yeah, it's easier to suspend the, dis the, the disbelief with that. Cool. The, see, I went the opposite way. I used to like darker movies like Requiem for a Dream. Uh, that's another one of those movies I think a lot of people liked uh, when we were in college. Mm -hmm. But I can't, it's hard for me to watch darker things now. And I don't know if that's because I have kids or I pay too much attention to the news or I, I mean, usually whatever I watch, I tend to want to have some kind of uplifting message or something um, to where darker films I used to love when I was younger. And I don't know if it's, I watched too many of them when I was younger and I just kind of got tired of it or if it's just too melancholy right now watching it um or maybe i'm just happier because i don't have kids so it's easier for me to and, and that could be <laughs> to, could to be it too you movies. don't have kids so you i mean you're just your your life it's sunshine and rainbows you're skipping off to work every day and and all that stuff that could be it too so yeah now i know you mentioned one director in particular that you had been really into back then that which one is not as oh kevin smith yeah yeah because that was definitely somebody as well for me, um, like Dogma, especially. Um, yep. He was another one of the, a lot of people, and same, came out of the independent movie scene um, and had a huge following in the 90s. I feel like the 90s was him and Quentin Tarantino, mm -hmm. and especially with people in our generation. And but like with his movies, I think it was slightly different. I just feel like it was a maturity thing. I mean, his like Kevin Smith films just scream nineties, the clothing style, the way people talk. They're very immature for sure. Yeah. And to where it's, it's difficult to be able to relate to that. Twenty, like, I mean, because I, I think those movies were supposed to appeal to early 20 somethings and teenagers. Have, and you, have you watched any of his recent <laughs> movies? I tried, uh, uh of his recent movies. So like uh, the one I was thinking of in particular, so it seems like he followed a similar path because Tusk. Okay. I have not. Bananas. <laughs> I have not seen Tusk. I have not seen Red State. Um, the most recent movie I think I saw of his was Cop Out. Mm -hmm. um, and because I think Clerks 2 was before Cop Out. Um, but yeah, Cop Out was the latest. I haven't seen Red State or Tusk. Uh, I want to say, was there another one since? Oh, there was Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Well, they he also did the, um, and I can't remember. It was the Canadian thing. I can't remember what it's oh, called. Oh, uh, uh, Hoosiers. Yeah, like something. Yeah, yeah. No one watched that. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, he does. Granted, he's coming out with Clerks Three. He just announced that at Comic Con. Mm -hmm. Um, so that is on its way. So that we'll see if that is. Yeah, and that hitting, that I will watch because I feel like the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, I haven't watched it, so I, I, I could be totally off base. I feel like it's appealing to the same kind of mentality to where clerks, he typically, he's talking more or less when he makes a clerks movie for the two times that he's made it, is he's talking about his state of mind at that point in his life. So I think Clerks 3 will probably be a... 
more of a introspective look as far as his thinking or at least his personality or um his way of life as he is a middle-aged person um so that i'll probably check out just because i feel like he puts a little bit more care into that those kinds of movies than he would in a jay and silent bob movie but yeah they're definitely those two in particular quentin tarantino and kevin smith um i feel like are kind of a time capsule like you can their style is is aging a little bit um since i think since quentin tarantino tends to hit on the um kind of the retro nostalgia aspect of things a little Mm -hmm. bit especially with this most recent movie with once upon a time in hollywood um which honestly was probably his best movie since kill bill um i I would definitely agree with that um because that's where for and i know um some people probably argue with me about this but inglorious bastards were was where things started to go downhill for me in particular uh with quentin tarantino Mm -hmm. um because he seemed like he wanted to make two movies with that um, he had a very, very good movie with Christoph Waltz that mm-hmm. he was making. And then he had a very, very bad movie with Brad Pitt that he was making as well. Yep. Um, and those two butted heads so many times throughout the movie that I just, I wanted to watch the Christoph Waltz part. I would watch that intro sequence mm-hmm. a million times and love it every time. But the rest of the movie just didn't hit for me. Yeah. And I feel like that's a big, like that, that was definitely like, you know, Christoph Waltz, that section very dark. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely you could tell that's kind of where my taste was going a little bit. Um, and then the Brad Pitt was kind of more humorous and lighthearted. This was the Pulp Fiction type of filmmaking Mm -hmm. that he was making before. And it just wasn't hitting with me anymore. Yeah. And I think he's, he still has when Tarantino makes a film, he still has that. I want to call it a cool vibe. I mean, which there was a lot of movies in the late nineties and early to mid two thousands that, quote unquote tried to capture that cool vibe you had lucky number 11 you had smoke and aces you had a lot of these movies coming out that were very stylistic and um trying to be kind of out there a little bit um to try and differentiate themselves so it wasn't a complete ripoff but every time you watched it or i mean just the poster art or cover art of the film you can kind of tell like all right yeah they're trying to play off the tarantino isms a little bit um but i would agree yeah after kill bill and glorious bastards i was not a fan of but that was just because of the the marketing i was walking into the theater thinking i was going to see a completely different movie than what i did um the uh, django unchained i like some aspects of it um, I feel like at that point, Tarantino was so far up his ass, he could do whatever he wanted. No studio was going to tell him no. And I think that movie suffered because of that. Um, and same thing with Hateful Eight. I, it was just way too long. It was um, it, the way he shot it and the way he made it didn't make sense to me. Um but once upon a time in Hollywood, I think that story and the and his style, I think, worked for the better. And it mm. just happened to match properly. But. Um, but yeah, I mean. It it's interesting because. The movies we swore were, oh, these are our favorite. 
who are younger, and then we go back and look at them, they don't hold the test of time. Did you find any, have you discovered any movies or have you rewatched anything that you watched previously that you didn't appreciate as much? Um, that's a horrible fucking question. Uh, in other words, did you rediscover something like, wow, this is really fucking good. How come I didn't appreciate this before? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, like one in particular that that stands out to me would be Dirty Harry, because um, that was that was one that I'd watched when I was younger. I didn't really think anything of it. Um, I, I feel like when I was a kid, I thought it was old. Uh, but then when I rewatched it more recently, that definitely stands the test of time. Um, but yeah, Dirty Dirty Harry. Um, some of the graphics are dated, but I feel like Jurassic Park just that that movie will always be mm -hmm. a phenomenal achievement um the um i mean i mentioned back to the future i, I don't know that i've never not appreciated that movie but um when we saw that for the 25th anniversary that one like just seeing the kids still enjoyed it just as much as we enjoyed it when we were kids mm -hmm. like was a phenomenal thing to see so that's another one um yeah, it's interesting when movies are able to do that, especially through generations. And uh, sorry, I thought of another one. Rear Window. Yep. Um, that one, like as, as old as that movie is at this point, um, I feel like, I mean, they've tried to remake it, what, four or five times yeah. at this point? Oh, yeah. With Disturbia. And Disturbia. The, and... the, the girl, the girl in, in the window from watching the woman across the street or whatever that mm -hmm. was called with Kristen Stewart. Or Kristen Bell, Kristen Bell. Um, that would have been a very different movie with Kristen Stewart. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's interesting watching older movies like that because some of them, I mean, movies like Back to the Future can definitely translate. Uh, Karate Kid was another movie I went and saw when they re-released in theaters. I think it was in conjunction with Cobra Kai. And there was a guy that I worked with, and he had never seen Karate Kid. He was younger. Uh, he was probably about 23, 24. And just by chance, he asked me what I was doing. Like on the weekend, I was like, well, I'm going to go see Karate Kid. And he's like, what's that? And I was like, you've never seen, and I'm one of those people, like you've, you've never seen this movie. Like everyone should watch these movies growing up. He'd never seen it. Of course, he was born after the movie had come out. The movie came out in 84. He was probably born in uh, 89 or 90 or 91 or whatever. Um, and he had never seen it. So I asked him, I was like, well, would you want to come with me? Because I'd never, I would one, I was interested to see what his response would have been or is uh, upon seeing it to see if he would still if he would think it's good or if it's just one of those time capsule movies to where it's a movie of the time. If you watched it when you're younger, you're going to enjoy it when you're older kind of a thing. Um, but when we went and watched it, uh, he had a very interesting take on it, um, which was after the movie, he's like, you know, Daniel's kind of an asshole. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, he's he deserved every bit of it. Like he was just an asshole. Like he he had a completely different perspective. And of course, um, I they remember explore that in Cobra Kai. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, they do. And um, which I think what is what kind of what makes that show work is they recognize how dated it was. But then they kind of use that to kind of feel the story. Um, but you have some movies like Back to the Future to where anybody could 
more likely possibly watch it, get the enjoyment out of it and fall in love with the story. And then you have some movies that came out one year prior, like Karate Kid, that just completely would miss the mark as far as the point that they're trying to get across just simply because the time that it was made and the decade that it was made um, and the social norms that fall into that. Um, So, I mean, we, we have the, I mean, we had, we had movies that we liked when we were younger. We had the Kevin Smith films, Quentin Tarantino, Pulp Fiction. We had the Darren Aronofsky, uh, Wrecking for Dream and um, those types of movies. What do you think of the movies now that are coming out that you think will end up getting that following? Like the same kind of following is, oh, the younger generation thinks they're the best movies ever made. And then 20 years from now, they're going to look back on them and be like, oh, and then they're okay. But I mean, certainly one thing, especially with the, the viral um, uncut jams uh, that's been uncut going jam. on. <laughs> Uh, so I, I and I know one of one of these movies um, hasn't gone quite as as nuclear as the other one, but Uncut Gems definitely I feel like is potentially one of those movies, even though it's a great movie. Um, but at the same time, like I don't want to watch that movie again because it stressed me out so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say for me in particular, definitely one of my recent favorites uh, would would actually be Good Time, uh, which is another Safdie Brothers movie. That not as many people talk about. Um, stars Robert Pattinson, so you, you would think more people would be talking about than they are, because obviously he's uh, recently been the Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, Shovel face, sure. Yep. Or <laughs> um, Sparkles the Vampire. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but he, that was actually the movie that sold me on him being being the Batman uh, when I watched that originally, because I was like, this dude can act. Like he actually has a huge amount of range. He's not just a not open mouth breather like, mm-hmm. like his cohort from twilight um but the um yeah i mean that would definitely be uh an example the um other recent one um for me in particular and i guess was it would be probably my favorite movie from this year um so far which would be the unbearable weight of massive talent starring nick cage mm-hmm. um which if I know you haven't seen that. I've not seen it yet. Um, so, I mean, that the premise of that movie is basically that it is Nick Cage starring as himself. Um, he is recruited by a, um, a like drug lord, basically, or at least that's the what you assume is happening at the beginning of the movie um, to participate in his birthday party because he's a huge fan. Mm hmm. Um, and then things go off the rails, uh, but there are just some phenomenal what you want from Nick Cage moments in that movie. Um, but then also the more subdued version of Nick Cage. So he, you hit basically every every aspect of him, and it's a hilarious movie. Um, but yeah, that, that I feel like that's going to be one of those movies where I'm like, yeah, that is definitely my favorite movie of this year. But like down the road, I'll probably look back on that and be like, yeah, that was probably. Got you. Do you think younger generations are grasping toward or? kind of um attracted to those two movies as well or you think it's just that that's your personal view as far as oh i like these movies right now but 20 years down the road i could see them not holding up well at least 
Um, I mean, definitely. I mean, since what we're discussing particularly is my personal taste, I mean, that's definitely I feel like is my taste for those two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like Uncut Gems in particular is one of those that a lot of younger people did see, um, just especially because of the uh, virality of it. Yeah. Um, and because it's easily accessible on Netflix, as mm-hmm. I think the time is as well. But, um, yeah. Yeah. What about I, you? Uh. See, it's hard. It's hard for. There hasn't been a lot that I've seen recently that I could say, "Oh, that that could be in my top ten or my top 20. Um, When I saw Uncut Gems, uh, that was a movie that I want to say affected me, but not in like a negative way. It was just more of like, "Oh, wow!" Like it kind of, um, it kind of stuck with me for a little bit. Um, and for anyone who hasn't watched that movie, it stresses you out the entire movie. Yeah, they do a good job with very well in the end. Yeah, tension and the dialogue, and I mean they they do a good job with pacing, and it's a very well done movie. Um, I don't know. I mean there there hasn't really been anything in the past eight years that kind of wowed me. Um, it's been little movies like Uncut Gems, to where like oh well that was a that was a movie. I mean, I was entertained by it. Would I watch it again? Probably not. Um, and this is every phone call that I have with him where we talk about movies. He says, that oh, was okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, we call each other every Wednesday. Uh, well, I call him every Wednesday after, as I'm driving home from work. And uh, yeah, we discuss what we've watched this week and what we, um, or what kind of video games we've played. But, and he, he, he hit it right on the, uh, right on the head to where they're, hasn't been anything that i've been surprised by i mean i think top gun was a nice surprise i was more entertained than what i thought i would be um but i mean there really hasn't been anything that's really stuck with me as far as i need to see that again i want to watch it again i want to see how they made it i want to see i want to rewatch these scenes and to kind of decipher how they were constructed um so i'm in i I spoke with matt a little bit about this to where um i think i loved movies more when i was younger Mm. um to where as i'm getting older i have other things going on and everything else to where um i guess they're not as important to me as what they were when i was younger um so i don't know if that has something to do with it or if it's more of um I just haven't seen anything that's really surprised me because most of the stuff that's come out in the past 10 years has been Marvel movies. As far as anything big budget, um, you have a few exceptions, but those exceptions have usually kind of farted into the wind <laughs> and not meant anything to anybody. Um, but I mean, with the exception of like Mad Max um, Fury Road, um, every once in a while you get a movie or Top Gun, some a movie like that to where, it's a very clear vision um, and executed extremely well. Um, and especially in this day of streaming to where everything just get, starts getting churned out mm. and everything else. But I mean, it's, it's tough for me to say, I mean, a lot of my favorite movies are movies that came out 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, now, do I think they'll change? I think they will what they'll change to i think will probably just be dependent on what where my life is at that point 
Um, I think I, I touched on this a little bit with the top five alien movies to where Close Encounters of the Third Kind was one of my favorites. And then I had kids and the ending just didn't land as much for me. So it kind of dwindled down the list um, just because it wasn't aligned with my values as who I am now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a cop out answer, but I mean, they're trying to think yeah, i definitely feel like of all of the things that we've discussed i feel like the television side i feel like we're kind of in a golden age of television a little bit which there's definitely some a lot of misses out there but you seem like you've enjoyed a lot more television than you have movies over yeah. the last few years and and probably because the same reason why a lot of actors go to television is because they can explore a character for multiple seasons you can you can see that slow progression and that change in a character, someone's playing like Breaking Bad or something like that. But even um, I feel like some of the writing, like what we do in the shadows, uh, is probably it's <laughs> one of the few things I can watch that's new and laugh. Um, a lot of the other comedies and movies I haven't seen. I mean, Always Be My Maybe, I thought was a pretty good uh, romantic comedy um, that was new. Crazy Rich Asians um i thought it was pretty good uh but there really hasn't been a lot of comedies um other than like, like deadpool or something like something i feel like, like we're that. ripe for another mel brooks age of of comedy to get back to that of like a spoof yeah spoof good like actual good parody or spoof um because it's it's been it's been a long time i feel like the scary scary movie like the, as as much money as those movies made um the wayne's brothers movies kind of killed that a little bit mm -hmm. um yeah they were churning them out yeah, and that were, and i think there was another group of and they were also not as good <laughs> yeah there's another group of filmmakers that were putting out the uh, not another teen movie and mm. the uh superhero movie it's definitely movie that, and, that style though yeah. um i feel like because of the scary movie it, i mean it, it got to the point where there was that that one that was um, that was basically just an anthology movie. It was a bunch of like short stories mm -hmm. that were supposed to be funny, but it was a like, movie 13 or something like that. Um, yeah, oh, movie 43. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, there was a lot of those that were released and they were all really bad, uh, but they did, they performed well in the box office. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I feel like we are definitely, we're definitely ripe for some really, really good comedies to come out. Um yeah, I hope so. Because, I mean, I think the last, I mean, the hangover in Tropic Thunder, I feel like were the the last two real funny movies. And apparently Judd Apatow isn't reliable anymore. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> you guys um, talked about that previously. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, but, I mean, I going back to changing taste of movies, like Lord of the Rings. I I watched them when they were when they came out in theaters. I didn't read the book. I read The Hobbit uh, when I was younger. Those movies have grown on me. So I mean, as I get older, certain movies kind of grow on me. Lord of the Rings is, uh, I mean, it's phenomenal. Um, but the more I watch, the more I enjoy it. And I don't know if that's because they're that good or if it's just because I'm exposing myself to the same thing over and over to where it's turning into more of a comfort thing because it's turned into one of those movies uh, Christy and I watch every Christmas usually. Mm -hmm. 
um, but we'll also watch The Hobbit with it. And before, I enjoyed The Hobbit more. And I don't know if it's just because I was familiar with the story. I mean, as far as film, the overall film goes, I think Lord of the Rings is a better trilogy than The Hobbit. The Hobbit I always felt was more enjoyable and more entertaining um, than what Lord of the Rings was. Slowly that, I still think Hobbit's a little bit more entertaining just because I think it was made that way to be more entertaining. And they had to fill it up with entertaining things to blow it up into three movies. Um, but the more I watched Lord of the Rings, I feel myself liking it more and appreciating it more. Um, but other, I mean, Rear Window, uh, some older films that I guess just felt too boring to where now I guess I have the patience to actually sit through, watch, and enjoy in a way. Um, but as, yeah, so I mean, anything currently i don't i don't see uh i don't see really like anything i mean television shows i've i've re in the past probably 10 years i feel like i've rewatched more television shows than i have movies um because when i enjoyed a movie when i was younger i'd just watch it over and over and over and over again um but now it's been more like parks and recreation the office friends uh sopranos Mad Mad Men, I've probably rewatched five times or something. I mean, it's it's ridiculous some you of the gotta, television shows that I've watched. You gotta stop rewatching. And I keep telling you this. You the, need to watch some of the Apple TV shows because they are phenomenal. That is another subscription that I have to pay for. <laughs> to, to cancel one subscription. No. Get on the other. <laughs> I will cancel Netflix when they put on ads. As soon as they put ads on my TV, I will. I will cancel them immediately and then sign up again for Stranger Things. But then I, cancel it again. I kept saying I was going to cancel them this month and they pushed back the Uncharted release, which I have not watched yet. And then there's uh, um, Sandman's coming out in August as well. So is that coming on Netflix? Yeah. Um, I never very, read that graphic novel. I know much, you were a fan of it. Yeah, very much looking forward to that. Um, I was also looking forward to Cowboy Bebop, though, and that yeah, uh, that shit the bed. <laughs> that shit the fucking bed hard. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. I feel like I feel like uh, uh, Neil Gaiman had some bigger oversight on the the Sandman, though. So and I mean his his other shows have all have all turned out really well yeah, so far. He did so. well, like American Gods. I think yeah. that had a pretty decent following. Yep. American Gods uh, was really good. Uh, is really good. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know if it's canceled, but I like yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Lucifer is technically one of his Ugh. shows as well, yeah. which did really well. I know, I know that has a huge following. <laughs> um, and then, um, um, oh shoot, the one that was on Amazon, can't think of the name of it currently. Oh, um, uh, the Good Omen yes. or Good Omens. Good Omens. I yes. like that. I enjoyed that a lot. I, I thought that was a pretty good show. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are all based off of his properties. All, all great. He's he's an incredible writer. Um, so I just I'm, I'm hoping that they develop more of his stuff in the future as well. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, Sandman is one of those like epic tales. Um, it, it could be a, a pretty long lasting series um, if Netflix gives it. Is the graphic novel still going on, or is no. it like a limited? Oh, it's been it's, it's like been a, done done for quite some time. So it's a set story. Yes. Okay. 
How, how long did the publication? I mean, how long did the story go to? Like, how many how many issues? Like, it was the original series ran for seventy five issues from eighty nine to ninety six. Okay, so well, how many how many issues per series, or per uh, I don't know how many how how God bless fuck mother shit. <laughs> Cut that out too. Um, so it's a set story. Do you, um, did you read the whole thing? I have, yes. How many seasons of, like, 10 to 12 episodes a season? How many seasons do you think they can get out of it? I mean, depending on, uh, it depends on how long they squeeze out for season one, I mm-hmm. suppose. But, I mean, you could probably get six seasons out of it, I would assume. Which would be good. a good number. Yeah. Um, Because there's some definite, definite arcs that you could start and stop at um, easily. Um. But, um, yeah, it is, it is a very good story, um, about, um, essentially personified, um, so like the main character's dream, um, so he's basically, you know, the kind of the Sandman that you've heard in music before one of his, one of his puts people to sleep. Yeah. One of his, uh, in a positive way though. Um, but yeah, one of the items that he uses to kind of conjure magic is a bag of sand. Uh, mm-hmm. That's legitimately one of the items that he he keeps. Um, from what I've seen for the trailer so far, they are going to, um, like a, the initial part of it's going to be him pursuing his different items. It sounds like they're going to be um, kind of individual stories for the first few episodes where he's going into like a different realm, mm-hmm. uh, basically for one of his siblings in the show. Um, oh, and in the, in the comic books, um, but it is. Uh, it, it should be very epic in scale um, if they do it correctly. Nice. Um, but yeah, that is something that I am definitely looking forward to here. And we'll, we'll see if I cancel Netflix if after it comes out, if it's terrible. Um, do you, do you think movies? Cause I, I think about this sometimes, I mean, because you can really dive deep into characters and story and you can tell, a very good long form story. Do you think I, one, I think people are starting to get spoiled by that, by tell like really well-written television series that have the same kind of production quality as a movie. Um, Do you feel that movies will kind of slowly go by the wayside? Um, I don't think they'll go by the wayside necessarily. I think that you may see um, where they throw less money at them um you might not see as many hundred million dollar movies you might see more like 50 million dollar movies um instead uh but i mean they're still movies are still making money in the theater mm-hmm. um it's just obviously it's a little bit more of a gamble if you actually like especially if it's a new ip um if you put a hundred million dollars into a movie it, that that could you know yeah flop it, hard yeah um but um yeah, no, I, I, I have a feeling we're, especially in, in the age of um, post-COVID, I think things are going to start getting back to normal. Um, movies will be making more money than any other movie in, in history. We'll start hearing that kind of, those two mm-hmm. kind of stories in the future as well. And some of them may be things that were a surprise where it'll be something that somebody made for like 10 million bucks and it just blows up in the box office. Yeah, and... I'm wondering to, I'll be interested because 
I can't imagine Marvel movies perpetually making money every time. I feel like it's already on a downswing. Yeah. And to where I wonder, I sometimes think, because I think for movies, they should, you mentioned lessening the budget. I think that would be, and I've said this before, to where you typically, if someone has not a lot of money to work with, they typically become more creative Mm -hmm. as far as what they want to have to do uh, to get their story across. To where I wonder if movies will kind of be more of a, obviously a one shot story, which movies are, but to where if they'll be more unique, similar to um, everything everywhere all at once, or uh, the Nicolas Cage. Um, unbearable weight. Of unbearable weight. I mean, having more experimental stuff like that to where it's still somewhat of a budget, but it's. Short, smaller stories that don't warrant television shows, which obviously is what a fucking movie is. But, um, <laughs> but I, I, I'm waiting for. I, I'm wondering if movies are going to transform in a way, as far as like the types of stories told, or the scale of the movies. To where I mean, I could easily see them becoming more dramas or um, comedies in that aspect. To where it's some like obviously a smaller scale. Um, I mean, my, my favorite Marvel movies in general are ones that tend to hit a specific genre. Um, so like winter soldier being more of a political thriller, um, on that spectrum of it. And then things of that nature. I mean, that, that those tend to be the best ones. Mm -hmm. Um, they don't need to all be an end game. Um, I feel like that's kind of what they're trying to do with a lot of the more recent ones. Um, like where they're bringing in a lot of different cameos and, um, I mean, definitely No Way Home was a phenomenal movie, but I mean, you you don't need to do that with every single Marvel movie. Yeah. Um, the um, the the next plot line is going to go deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole that is the multiverse, because uh, they've announced the the King Dynasty and and Secret Wars, which is definitely going to be um once once we get to the end of that that storyline um those are going to be in, in scale i'm sure of infinity war and endgame um but i mean people are are starting to get worn out i feel like a little bit of, of that too so it's I mean, definitely those those lower budget more genre focused movies are 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 probably going to be the ones that are in the long run at least perceived as the better movies yeah because you can make them for cheaper and then mm-hmm. they possibly have a higher rate of return i mean honestly i would have had they not brought in the cameos in uh, the Doctor Strange movie, the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, I feel like that movie could have been better if it was just a Sam Raimi movie that was a horror movie with mm-hmm. uh, Wanda attacking Doctor Strange. And it, Yeah, I agree uh, with that. Could have been, it could have been very interesting, especially with the mind games that she can play. That mm-hmm. could have been, like, there could have been some moments in that movie that were just in his head and he didn't realize it. Yeah. That's a good point. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, I know we went, we were going to be talking about the changing taste of films and then we delved into a bunch of random other stuff, but yeah, good conversation. I feel like, but I'm glad you came up and visited and he didn't, he didn't come up just to do the podcast. So this was, we decided to do this about five minutes before we started recording. So 
It's, uh, he came up to see me because I, he loves me. I talk on the phone all day. This is not uh, something that I like to do with my time. Oh, oh it's not? <laughs> well, too bad. Uh, we'll see you back here next week. Uh, you're going to be our third uh, third host. So uh, you're going to need to drive two hours every Monday evening when we record. So uh, if you can just work that into your schedule. You don't have kids. You can do whatever the fuck you want. So no excuses. And if you say no, it's because you don't like me. Oh, well, no. God damn it. But thanks for visiting. Thanks for uh, doing a half episode with me and uh, entertaining our tens of listeners. So, tens, eh? Yeah. Did you have fun? That's good. Did you have fun talking? Yeah, absolutely. You fucking liar. All right. Well, that was our half episode. So <laughs> join us next time with the return of Matt as we talk about two complimentary movies. And as always, comment on our episodes at acastwithnoname.com or shoot us an email to contact.acastwithnoname at gmail.com. Our email is also found on our website. So, but yeah. If you want to reach out to us, you can do that. Puff has already taken off the headphones. He is packing up his shit and he's walking out the door. All right. See ya. See ya. Thanks for visiting. So uh, thanks for listening. Have fun. Goodbye.